Hello, everybody, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Get Me Started podcast. Before we begin today, I'd first like to pay my respects to the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast is being recorded, who are the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. I pay my respects to Elders past, present and emerging, and extend that respect to any Indigenous persons listening today. Sovereignty was never ceded, and this land was, is and always will be traditional Aboriginal land. I'd encourage my listeners to do their research and to learn more about the land on which they work, live and socialise on. Welcome back to season two of the Get Me Started podcast. Today, I'm here with another guest who is the wonderful Thea, not to be confused with myself. I am here with Thea Walton, who's going to be talking about perceiving through personality, which is her Get Me Started topic. Hi, Thea. Welcome. Hey. (laughs) Hi, Thea. Everyone's going to be wondering who is who if they get us confused, but um, Thea Walton is one of my close friends. We met at the start of our postgraduate degree and we've become incredibly close for the last two and a bit years. She is the dancing queen of my social life, um, a wonderful ray of sunshine in everything we do, an incredibly smart and switched on individual. And um, we, yeah, probably spent far too much time together to the point of codependency. We, th- we thought that we had spent an extended period of time apart and we realized it was about six days. So, you know, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of good energy in the room at the moment. We're probably going to laugh at an inappropriate moment simply because that's how we are as friends, but I hope you have an enjoyable time listening to her amazing topic, which I'm very excited to get into. We're going to talk about all things personality tests, personal development, relationships, um, growing up and growing into yourself as well. And I think it's going to be a really wonderful episode. So Thea, you're here. You're ready to go. You've been a you've been a supporter of the podcast before it was even a podcast. And now it's your turn to do your episode. So what is it about perceiving through personality that gets you started? Um, so before I fully start, I'd also like to pay my respects to the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and also um, pay my respects to the Noir people uh, of the southwest of Western Australia, which is where I'm from and where I lived, worked and played for a very long time. Um, and yeah, I guess talking about personality tests, uh, I think I would start from the beginning, um, been reflecting on it a bit and how I kind of got into them. And years ago, I want to say, oh, probably... 2007 which probably yeah fits a quite a long time ago now when you think about it I did some leadership camp at school and the person taking it took us through an almost entire day of a Myers-Briggs personality test thing and I think from there I mean potentially also my personality type is more into uh, personality tests anyway. Um, but uh, yeah, we, we spent the whole day talking about it. And I guess from there, I started seeing people and the world through Myers-Briggs in particular. But then from that spun an interest in personality tests whenever I came across them. So you do them at uni at like at um, youth orgs that I was involved in. And then you do it in your grad job when you started work. And um, I guess over the years and then I think one time we did it at a book club we did the uh the five love languages at a book club with a friend um so yeah they've just followed me everywhere and I pick and choose um which ones kind of influence me at the time um when I'm in certain situations uh 
mainly in particular Myers-Briggs because that's the one I started with but um yeah I just love I just love personality <laughs> tests even if they are some people will be sitting there rolling their eyes going this is total BS but um yeah I just love the way they help me make sense of the world and people um and kind of develop empathy as well and understand where people are coming from I guess yeah yeah, there's so many things there that I'm like ready, <laughs> ready to go down the rabbit hole with you on this one. The first thing though that I wanted you to explain a little bit more was like what is Myers Briggs for people who don't know because um, a lot of us are yeah familiar with it, but I'm sure that there's just as many people who have no idea what we're talking about right now. Yeah, um, and I was about to say as you said that I was like, oh, don't even get me started on Myers Briggs. I was like, oh yeah, no, I picked the right topic. Um, I guess so. I know a little bit of the background about it. Myers-Briggs was um, developed by mother and daughter um, and it's kind of based on the Carl Jung like type personality types um, but on a really basic level because I mainly know about it um, in terms of uh, the letters that are involved. So essentially uh, it breaks uh, like cognitive functions into like four different types. So you start with um, what they call your attitude towards the world and that's e or i and e stands for extroversion and i stands for introversion um and i'll probably go yeah i'll just dive into that bit so in terms of what is extroversion and what is introversion it's kind of like how you draw energy and for me as a huge extrovert i draw energy from the external world from people from going out from doing things if i sit by myself in a room, I just want to go to sleep. Like, there's nothing I hate more than being by myself. Like, and I, I also admit, like, hand on heart, I'm, like, a tragic extrovert. So sometimes I look at introverts and I think, oh, if only, if only I could just be by myself for a bit and, like, do my taxes or something, you know? Like, but no, I'm just, like, constantly out in the world. Um, but it's still just, it's quite fun being like that. Anyway, and then introverts, um, they expend energy when they're out. And so they have to step back and recharge by themselves um and on like a yeah again on a basic level that can be more reflective um and and spend more time alone um and thinking about things a bit more and maybe doing their taxes who knows like that's in my head like what i think introverts are like they're just in there doing their taxes like well look i can um take one for the introverts on this and say that i do not do my own taxes but i definitely <laughs> align more closely with the introvert side of things but yeah. you know i think the the important distinction as well is that even though these things are presented quite binary yeah. there's like it is in a like a graded system for right sure. you get like a score on each end yeah yeah. yeah, and oh, actually, because when I did it uh, when I was 16, we didn't even do a test. She did different, um, almost like, um, qu not quizzes, but she got us to do different exercises to work out which one we were. But I can only remember one of the exercises, which I'll talk about <laughs> later for one of the letters. But um, yeah, I mean, if you're trying to work it out for yourself without doing a test, it's like, do you lose energy being around people or mm -hmm. like over time? And But I know a lot of people who'd say, and I think maybe you might a little bit like, be almost ambivert and like it depends on your mood and like you can fluctuate in and out for sure yeah so ambiverts people who are like extroverted introverts or introverted extroverts mm -hmm. which is what I yeah I do personally like align with that but if I have to pick on the scale I always go yeah. for introvert because I know that yeah when I'm alone is when I'm my most whole self and I feel yeah. most content um but that doesn't mean that I don't love social interaction yeah so that's E and I and then yeah. what's the other sets so the next uh are N and S and that they're called like your perceiving functions so how you 
take in information from the world. So N stands for intuitive. And so intuitive people, actually, it's probably easier to start with S. So S is sensing. And they take in the world through like what you can see and perceive and like facts, data, sensory kind of things. Um, and for them, the meaning is in what, like the meaning is in the data, essentially. So um, they like talking about um, what's happening in the world, like facts about politics or like history and things like that. Whereas you and I, the intuitive people, we think more about ideas and concepts and we draw links between the facts. Um, but maybe, and again, it's a sliding scale, but we're maybe not as like in touch with the facts themselves. So for me, again, I'm like extremely intuitive. I find it quite hard. And when you started doing Get Me Started, I thought to myself, I was like, do I even have a topic that I can talk about? Because I don't know any facts and figures. And I, I felt like, you know, uh, there was nothing that I was super like concretely, like really into um, from that kind of side of things. Um, but uh, yeah, I love drawing links between things or like having experiences and maybe not remembering the exact everything that happened and the facts and the people, but like remembering the mood and then linking that to another time in my life and another mood. Um, like I, I see it a lot in like my dad, for example, he he's definitely quite S sensing in the way he perceives the world. And he knows a lot about jazz and a lot about art and remembers the names and remembers the things. Um, and we'd go on holidays and he'd remember specifically things we'd, places we'd been and things we'd seen. Whereas for me as an intuitive person, I just like the holidays are blur. Like the holiday is just like a wash of emotion and vibe and like, like general, like lessons that I've learned from the experience, but not specifics about where we were. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think you're also quite intuitive. Um, and so I, I've realized reflecting again for this podcast that a lot of my friends are quite intuitive because I think it comes out a lot in the how you talk and what you talk about. And sometimes in a conversation, if I feel like things are getting stayed, often I'll step back and go, oh, that's because my friend is a bit more sensing and they want to talk about the facts of this thing. And I'm not as drawn to that as clearly. Um, yeah. yeah, amazing. So that's so we've got that's, E and I. Yeah. And then we've got N and S. Yeah. And then we've got feeling and thinking, and that's about your decision-making function. So you take in this information, uh, you take in this information through like your N and S perception side of things, and then how do you deal with it? So um, T's thinking are kind of more logical about the way they make decisions, a bit more rational. Um, they look at rules, they think about, I see it, for me, I'm quite a T person I see it as like concepts of justice as well and like overarching ideals that kind of guide the way you make decisions and then people who are feeling are more on their base level like empathetic um they kind of try to like weigh things up look at different perspectives and want to reach a consensus and a bit more emotive in the way that they make decisions um and neither of those ways are right or wrong um the way I sometimes see it manifest in interactions with people is particularly say um, when we're around fellow law students right and sometimes we can get a bit argumentative I love that I love fun arguing and you could catch me like at a bar somewhere kind of arguing someone on a point of something and getting quite like heated and loud and like into it and then I can feel some other people in the circle just kind of like recoiling and I'll stop myself and go they're the F's they are feeling the energy in the room and they're thinking that like there's disagreement and tension and like 
they don't resonate as much with that and they kind of almost get repulsed by it. And I sometimes have to pull myself up when I'm doing that and realize they think I'm feeling upset, but actually I'm just getting into this. I'm just debating the ideas. I'm just like looking at this logically and rationally. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's thinking of feeling basically. Um, and I'm just trying to think about like, where else does it come out? Yeah. The fun arguments. And then even like for me at work in a work setting, I'm pretty easy to like, just say what I think. And I think saying think a lot in this part of the, uh, the discussion. Um, I think part of that is tied to, um, me not feeling like there's any emotion connected to what I'm saying in that kind of setting. Um, whereas someone who's more feeling might want to reach, might want to be more concerned about how other people vibe what you're about to say. I think you're a bit more of a feeler. Um, yeah, yeah, I am. And, but it's funny because in other ways, I'm very much mm. a thinker. I think I, I'm good at, I know my feelings very well and I don't, just feel for the sake of feeling, mm. but I also pick up on other people's energy quite mm. a lot, which it goes kind of maybe to the intuitive element in a sense as well. Mm. Like maybe that's my balance out, but, um, mm. I've got a little story about my own experience with Myers-Briggs after mm. we do the four letters. So, yeah. okay. um, that might explain that weird difference as well. So yeah. that's F and T. Yeah. Yeah. And then the final two combination, um, it's kind of, a, I find it the, this part the hardest to describe, but, um, it's kind of like the way you live your lifestyle. Um, so how you deal with the outside world. Um, and that can be judging or perceiving. And on a basic level, people who are judging, when they're taking this information um, and making the decisions, how, what's the next step and how do they extrovert that? How does the world see them? And people who judge like to deal with that information quite quickly. They like to make decisions they like lists. They like to tick off the list. Is is smiling right now. She's getting really excited now that I've mentioned a list. Um, and yeah, it's it's more about like dealing with dealing with whatever decision you need to make or making the choice quite quickly. Um, perceiving people, which is me, um, but again, I fluctuate, particularly in a work setting. Um, so Thea, just for context, also Thea and I work together. So. <laughs> Um, this, this comes out particularly in a work context, I think, but hang on, I'll explain the perceiving first. So perceiving people, they don't want to necessarily make the decision straight away. They like to wait for a bit more information to come. They're also easier, like letting things like weigh in the air or letting things kind of sit for a minute. Um, people who are perceiving, I like to sometimes think about it as procrastinators. So people who are perceiving, like, um, can also be come across as people who procrastinate. We'll just... I feel like in high school, the judges would be the ones who get the assignment done before it's due and they're done and they're ready to hand it in. And you're like, oh, when are they, what, why though? Like, what's the point? And they're perceiving me. It's just like writing it till the last second, just like waiting, 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 waiting. Oh, okay. We've got 10 minutes now. That's good. I can start, you know, like, and, and it comes across as like procrastinating, but also I think a part of it is like, you're just waiting to get in everything, all the information you need before you make that decision. Um, but then what that can lead to is you make less decisions or fewer decisions. Like I can see that in myself now a lot. Like sometimes I just, I'm, I think, oh, I'd really like to buy a tent. And then I don't because the thought of like this just loses This is a specific example. Because clearly, clearly the tent thing's weighing on me. But then I don't because the thought of like having to like, just like get in all the info about tents and like, I'd much rather just let the whole tent thing just 
be, you know? Then have to like it did take you like six months to buy a printer. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It took me a long time to buy a mattress, still in the process. <laughs> it's a bit of a faff. Um and so yeah, that's my pee coming through, I think. <laughs> I mean sometimes it sometimes people would see me and be like, Oh, you're also quite organized and I don't think that just because you're a pee doesn't mean that you can't be organized. But even even in our work setting, right, the way we function. So I like Trellos. I like just having like things kind of floating around to be able to see everything that's kind of, we kind of got going on. Whereas you like a list, you like your own list that you can tick off on. And it's like, either it's done or it's not. And like, that's how you manage it. Right. And so, yeah, I definitely see that in the way we work together. And I'm sure you do too. You like to check that email immediately. And for me, it's like, I'll get to it and then I'll process it. Like, and so, yeah, it's just something we work through. It's just like nodding along politely. Just like, I think it's just, you know, like for me, yeah, talking about it in terms of like the way we intake information, that's the most aligned I've ever felt with, with, yeah. my, with my letter in this section because yeah. I think you're right about the fact that maybe perceiving it, you wait for all the info to make the decision. But like I feel that I like once I have one piece of information, I very quickly try and connect that piece of information to any other information yeah. I have or any other information I can get my hands on mm. and come to a thing, like yeah. come to a decision or a conclusion or like, yeah. yeah, if it's an email, right? Yeah, I want to read it so that then if another email comes or you message me or something, I already know what's going on yeah. rather than actually having to like necessarily action anything. Yeah, okay. yeah. Just like being across everything. Yeah. Like I like to know everything. Yeah. And, you know, anyone else who works with me in any other roles will know this as well. Like I'm very much like a no, no. No, no. I need to know what is happening at every stage and every moment because then at, you know, stage Z, when someone else says something else about stage F that mm. nobody else knows anything about, I can connect those dots and that's how I feel like yeah. a competent person. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think that's our biggest difference, isn't it, that that letter? Out of I all think of so, them. for sure. Yeah. yeah. Like, we've got a little bit of, yeah, yin and yang going on, but I think that's definitely where it really, like, hits. Hits. Yeah. So, just to recap for people who are new to Myers-Briggs, it's like a four-letter category that you sort of get given mm. and the combination of letters gives a different personality sort yeah. of overview. Yeah. And your letters will affect the other letters differently depending on who you are and how yeah. strong you are in different areas. Like, mm. you know, if you're an incredibly extroverted person, you know, the way that that strong E affects your other three letters mm. will come through in different ways for mm. everyone. So you could have the same letter combo as someone else have a very different personality mm. at the end of the day it's just kind of like it's a frame of reference for those four areas that they've yeah. sort of identified yeah. yeah and I think um I probably didn't say this as much before at the start but for me the what the way I've started the way I deal with Myers-Briggs and the way I take it is often almost looking discreetly a lot of the time at like the E and the I or the N and the, the those separate letters then the broader personality type as much um because, I mean, I guess we all flow through each of the letters and I guess um, it it's easier to just kind of... I don't want to box people. And I know that a lot of people have issues with Myers-Briggs and they feel like, oh, I'm not... You can't box me. It's like 16 types. What does this even mean? Like, um, and so... I And I totally get that, like, get that hesitancy and that kind of scepticism. I mean, also, more generally, people liken it to kind of like astrology. Um and I I would argue it's not as, you know, randomly assigned as a birth date. But at the same time, like, 
even if it is total BS, like it's still a framework with which you can see the world, right? Um, and I mean, I myself personally, like when I was, you know, 16 and I got my four letter combo and read about my type, it resonated with me so strongly. And so maybe part of that is why I then believed it. If it is, if it is a thing that you need to believe in and that it isn't real, like, but I still can use the tools. I use it as a tool almost, um, to navigate the world. And when, when there's conflict around me or like a slightly discordant situation, um, or just to understand my friends a bit more, you know? Do you remember what your 16 year old self got? Like what your letter combo was? 100%. It was, um, E N T P. Um, which is uh, called like the debater, essentially. Um, so that's extroverted, yeah. intuitive, thinking, thinking perceiving. perceiving. Yeah. So we love ideas. We love ideas. We love debating. Um, we're creative. Um, yeah. And it just, I got it and I read about it and I was like, it's like this, they get me, they see me, you know? And that's the other thing is when I went to, um, when I went to, this program the woman who ran it said um we uh we start when we're younger as like a more pure version of that type and then as we get older and i guess life is thrown at us we then become we kind of mellow out and we might move between them all but 16 year old thea was so strongly entp and it just it felt like it defined me for a long time because then i met like one of my good mates at uni also was an entp and like then we bonded a lot over Myers-Briggs and um, I can't, I'm trying to remember now. And we did a lot of other personality types together. I like to think that ENTPs love, love a good personality test. Any ENTP I've met is just so into Myers-Briggs. We just love it. Um, because also it's nice being told that you're like creative and well, you may not want to be called a debater, but I quite like it. I quite like being told that I like to debate ideas. Um, but yeah. And then I'm trying to remember, I think it might've been when I started working and I did the test again just off my own bat and I got something quite different and it really like shocked me and I was a bit like why what, what what's happened to me like am I broken like what's and I think reflecting on it now and I kind of almost rejected that I was like that's not me that's just a malfunction in the moment um and so I kind of just ignored it um and tried to crawl back to like how what my original Myers-Briggs was um and yeah it's been a lot of like over the years kind of trying to trying to get more comfortable with the fact that my Myers-Briggs changes sometimes I guess um and I think that goes more deeply to me being comfortable with myself changing anyway yeah I think that that's a very like normal arc I guess for everyone as you grow and develop and go more into the world like especially you know entering the workforce like you said before you know your Myers-Briggs at work is quite different so maybe that environment when you did that test Mm. and whatever had altered your headspace Mm. my little story that I alluded to Mm. about um my first time encountering Myers-Briggs which is interesting off the back of you saying that you're supposed to be the more pure version of your personality type at about 16 because I went on a week-long, you know, women in leadership at Sydney Uni with, I think there was probably like 60 other girls or something like that. And it was mm. this really wonderful week where it was all, you know, leadership and team building and skills and everything like that. And they paid for us to do like a proper Myers-Briggs, um, which we had to fill out before we got to the week. Yeah. And then 
on one of the days they had a presenter come in and explain it all and give us our actual like formal results on paper. And the reason I remember that there was scoring involved is because I think it's on like either end, it's like 50. Mm. So out of 50, you're, you know, an E or an I or, you know, an F or a P. Mm. Um, and he said that anything under five is, doesn't really count. You know what I mean? So if you've got an under five and anything, then you're just whatever the other side says. And I got between two and three for every single side on every single letter. Oh my God. And they made me redo it. They made me sit down because they were starting to try and get everyone to divvy up into their um, letter types. And they're like, all the E's go here and all the I's go there. And I was like, you've just told me that if it's under five, it doesn't count. And I'm a three E and a three I because all my answers in the test had just canceled each other out. Oh my God. Where I was just picking like, you know, across the yeah. different things. I was just getting this, like, counterbalance. Yeah. So they sat me down and made me do, like, a 16-question one just to, like, you know, hammer it out. And I got yeah. the same result. Oh! And the presenters were like, this is really odd. Mm. Like, are you overthinking the questions? Like, do you have you encountered Myers-Briggs before? Like, do you know, mm. like... When you do a Myers-Briggs test, if you haven't, and you go in with the knowledge of what they're kind of, like, looking for... Mm. It can feel like some of the questions are trying to lead you mm. this way or another. Mm. But when you do a full Myers-Briggs, there's so many questions that eventually it kind of just will ruminate out that, like, you know, what they're trying to get out of you will come out naturally, even if you're sort of trying to double-guess mm. the questions. And I le- legitimately had not heard of Myers-Briggs before I did this test. So I didn't know any of this. I didn't know the implications of it and whatnot. So then for the rest of the activity, I just got to walk wherever I wanted to walk because they didn't know where to put me. Wow. And... For me at 16, it was a weird feeling of like, I'm sure there's a little bit of like, oh, I'm special because like you can't, you know, pinpoint me. But as I got a little bit older, I actually was like, this is kind of concerning to me because I don't Mm. feel like I am anyone in the sense of like feeling a really strong sense of identity towards a personality trait or towards Mm. like a way of existing in the world. Mm. And yeah, it's sort of interesting then that you say you're technically supposed to be your more pure version of yeah. your personality type because I was just, yeah, I was I was middle of the road for all of it. Yeah. Um, and they even did exercises with us, one of which I remember was like, if you're hosting a party, do you try and spend, you know, the least amount of money but get enough food for everybody or do you take the time to like find out everyone's dietary preferences and cater to that no matter what? And everyone was, like, being very decisive. Like, some girls was like, oh, no, screw dietary preferences. You can just eat what's there. Mm. And I was like, oh, I would just make sure that I bought the most affordable things that fit everyone's dietary preferences. And the lady was like, that's not what we're asking. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so, yeah, it's just sort of funny because I feel like I I had a lot of pride in being quite, like, chameleon-like and being able to fit in a lot of different situations. Mm. Like, walking between the groups, I could fit with, like, the extroverts or the introverts. Mm. But as I've gotten older, I've disliked that part of myself more and mm. more because I feel like it's a lack of affinity with my true wants and a more performative mm. ability, which is a great skill to have mm. in some scenarios, but on a very personal, mm. you know, individual level, yeah. when I started to feel more definitively mm. one or the other, I got a lot of comfort out of that. Mm. Yeah. So you feel like 16-year-old you wasn't really listening to yourself? as much yeah I don't think I trusted my internal narrative but I also had this skill of being able Mm. to 
you know, adapt. adapt yeah. And that's a positive thing. But when yeah. there's a lack of trust for your internal narrative at the same time, mm. it then comes out in a way which just seems like... You lose sense of yourself. Yeah, there's not yeah. as much substance there as you yeah. sort of would want. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but it's. I think it's an interesting... Wow. It's just a... I just remember it so vividly, getting that mm. card and it, like, literally being dots all in the center of the page and me being like wait a second what oh my gosh these faces like she's <laughs> fascinated yeah because for me it was the complete opposite it was like so insanely like intensely one way and i think that's partly why um oh sorry i think that's partly why um i it shocked me because i think i i just love myself i love myself a lot and I love my Myers-Briggs and I love who I am. And so then as I felt myself change as I grew older, I got worried that I was losing myself, the person that I love. And so it's like, it's still a constant battle, like to like be okay with change. Like, cause I, don't worry, I still love myself, but like, it's, it's, it's hard, not harder, but like I get worried that, oh no, if I'm not as extroverted now, that's, I'm losing what makes me me. Um, and like I, but I'm getting better at it. Um, I, yesterday I took the test and, um, in preparation for this and I went, oh, I'm just, you know, I'm purely me. Like I'm so strongly ENTP at the moment. I'm just loving life and like, uh, and I'm just, I know, I know deep down this is who I am. <laughs> took the test, got an ENFP. And I just went, no, you know what, Thea, how about we stop looking at this like, um, stop looking at this like, oh, it means you've changed and just reflect on why you got an F today. Maybe you got an F today because you're having a really stressful time and you're like thinking about going home and whether or not you can, because I'm from Perth and the borders, like all the borders are shut or open. And it's very hard to get home. And I think I was just a bit emotional that day and thinking about my family and friends a lot. And that's why you got an F, you know, like you were more in touch with that intuitive side and you felt like you were making decisions based on like how you're feeling about going home as opposed to rationally. Actually, yeah, I'm just realizing that as I'm describing it, that's been my battle with like, that's been the tension about this whole thing. So I was meant to go home n middle of next week and um, logically I said to myself, I can't, I won't quarantine. Um, it's just not worth it. But then the the other side of me is saying, well, but what about going home and you miss your mum and like, I want to be around my friends who are getting married and, um, and yeah, so I guess, I guess that's why that's kind of, and now listeners, you're hearing me see the world and how I perceive the world through these kind of personality tests and like how it helps me kind of understand how I'm feeling and thinking about them and, um, in real time. Uh, <laughs> hope you enjoyed it. Uh, I did. I reached a really great conclusion just then. Um, yeah. <laughs> he's just trying not to <laughs> try lose it in like, the corner. Well, let, her, <laughs> let her run her path with it. Um, not interrupt that moment. No, I think it obviously, yeah, it obviously shows why or the fact that you do have such an affinity with this kind yeah. of like way of thinking and self-reflection and like it's that, it's that in for you on mm. self-reflection. Mm. Something that the... Uh, demonstrated to me quite early on when we'd met is that she has a very unique ability to be able to pick other people's Myers-Briggs and I'm yet to see her get it like wrong like she's gotten you know there's been instances where it's like a this or a that kind of thing and people sort of know either or but um she actually guessed mine 
for me, I think, within the first week of knowing me. And it is correct. Do you remember what it is? Uh, yours would be INFJ. Yeah. Is that right? So yeah. I'm an EINFJ. Yeah, yeah. Because of like, yeah, the, the borderline the, the yeah. with the first letter. Um, but it's a very funny thing to watch because she'll literally like meet somebody and talk to them and then either tell them or sometimes I'll just ask her and I'll be like, what's their Myers-Briggs? And she'll know because that's, that's the level at which she uses this to relate to others and to like get that first gauge on, you know, where they fit. Yeah, it's funny because I was in the car with a friend earlier today and I mentioned I was doing this podcast and she went, oh, yeah, I remember that time. And then you just guessed my Myers-Briggs and I was like, still got it, baby. Um, I also guessed the Myers-Briggs of um, my partner who I've started seeing recently. Um, you know, I'm pretty good at it. I'm not too bad. It's, it's a party. It's my party trick. I love it. I love it. It is your party trick. Um, <laughs> so I want to take it now to like kind of your personal journey with this because you mm. mentioned you know you got it at 16 you went into the workforce and things changed mm. but I know that there was a lot of other stuff that happened for you that mm. you've referenced Myers-Briggs as being like really important in mm. that journey do you want to talk a little bit about what I'm vaguely alluding <laughs> to there yeah um so Thea's referring to um in 2018 uh January 24th for those of you playing at home um, I was uh, doing a season in France, a ski season, and I had an accident and I had a brain injury. Um, and so uh, one minute I was on the slopes in a ski lesson and the next minute I was waking up in London. My dad and stepmom lived there and my stepmom was standing over me saying, you've had an accident, um, you've been moved to London, you're at home with us. Um, and so <laughs> talking about like, not changing as a person obviously going through it um traumatic brain injury is going to do that to someone um and i think uh, and like reflecting on how i dealt with my changes and and moving like kind of adapting and developing and in the wake of the injury i did see it a lot through myers-briggs um one of the biggest ones, um, and we I haven't talked about this as much in terms of introvert and extroverted at the moment. I've talked mainly about E and I in terms of energy, but it can also be about um, the way you think. Uh, so, for on a very basic level, um, and my own experience of it, um, an extroverted thinker, it's kind of like uh, my brain is a black box and there's no thoughts in them, and the only way they come out is as I speak them or externalize them through like texting or messaging another person i find it i don't really think about my thoughts if that makes sense um they just come out of me which is partly why i love being around people and don't like being alone because i almost feel like i'm not existing when i'm by myself which sounds a bit grim but like that's just that's just how i feel Yeah. yeah um but i love that about me as 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 you know i love myself uh i love being able to just like go into a conversation and just riff or like immediately speak what I'm thinking. I'm the kind of person that talks a lot in class because I need to, to be able to think through what's happening. Um, and yeah. And it was just like a huge part of me and my identity. And then when you've had a brain injury, I, that shifts. And I went from being an extroverted thinker to an introverted thinker. So I'd like have a thought 
and it would kind of start forming I'm po- you can't see this listeners but I'm pointing at my stomach it's almost like in your gut it starts building and then it worked its way up into your head and so then you have this thought and then you've got to turn that thought into words to then be able to get the thought out and externalize it and there may even be a little disconnect between like the thinking and the words and then the saying of them um and it was like it was really overwhelming because I went from just thinking being like second nature and not having to think about it or just coming out of me to like me feeling like I had to like process the thoughts um for about a year maybe maybe even I remember Thea recognized this in me a bit as well um maybe even a year and a half um when I was around people what was normally like my bliss state because I was talking and I was just externalizing everything and thinking and existing Uh, my bliss state being around people shifted because I was suddenly in groups and people were talking and instead of just listening I would be thinking as they talked and have and thinking the thoughts that I was going to say next and it was horrible because like you're like constantly you're trying to listen but also think and then how do you voice the words and then say the words Whereas normally I'd just be there listening and then just speak and it just was lovely. And I got quite anxious being around people for a while um, because, yeah, the way I thought changed. Um, And it was really, it was really hard, I think. Um, But then it also maybe like helped me be a bit more chill with that side of myself. Um, I got a bit more okay with like silence. I used to be quite anxious about silence but I'd love to fill it um whereas over time I kind of had to be okay with just like pausing for a minute um around people um and I'm trying to think of what else shifted from that um did you want to jump in yeah I was going to ask and I don't know if this is necessarily true because I'm not sure what your recovery was actually like but Mm. you know you had a brain injury so to Mm. me that indicates that there was some time in hospital and like in Mm. like recovering just because obviously that's a big thing Mm. to go through did you have to spend a lot of time alone in that process or was it more that you know I'm just guess I'm thinking like you know if you had to be alone and maybe not be as capable of doing the activities that you used to do and mm. living the sort of like outgoing lifestyle that you were used to because you were traveling at the time you'd been you know going mm. around Europe and things like that and been mm. experiencing so many different things having to have that like stop and that stillness do you think that that was a contributing factor or was it more just the fact that you'd had a brain injury just completely you know it just jolted the way your systems and your brain was sort of wiring it's funny you ask that question because um similarly a lot of people asked me or when I said oh say I became a little more introverted or less of a party animal after the injury they would say well was that also because you grew older and so like more looking at like lifestyle factors that could have contributed to that um was it because I stopped was it because I grew older um for me for me it feels like a hard no but maybe that's me also again like not being able to be okay with change but I feel like um if if you'd seen me when I was on my ski season up until the day I had my brain injury I was like partying almost every night I was out really late most nights drinking having a lot of fun and like I and then the next minute that 
like that urge to be out and about and around people and the the liveliness that I felt around people had gone and for me I was just almost I'm still I'm certain that it was being hit in the head like I just feel like I don't go from like 100 to zero just because I'm alone or just because I'm getting older yeah for sure yeah um, no, that makes sense and like yeah. also you know it was a brain injury <laughs> like yeah, I think yeah. it's a pretty I think that's a pretty fair conclusion to yeah. draw um yeah. yeah I don't think anyone's going to try and dispute that that would have a big impact on yeah. those kinds of things yeah yeah and I think because I still felt so purely me like I was still so in intensely extroverted, intensely uh, T and P and N. Um, I do sometimes think, oh, would I be very, like, ha- has the brain injury made me mellow out and or would I have got here anyway? Um, I, quite, I think about that a lot, like, but then it's also like, well, it's happened now. So, like, um, you've got to be okay with it. I know that um, for a long time I... Um, after the brain injury, I kept trying to go back to how I was, like, or at least I mourned, I mourned the old me a bit, and, and, um, yeah, I, I definitely don't mourn her as much anymore, um, but it, it took a while to get there, um, the other, the other letter of mine that shifted a lot, um, was F and T, um, and I became a lot more like, empath- uh, yeah, became a lot more empathetic, a lot more emotional. And that's also um, a, a side effect of brain injuries as well. Um, yeah. So you went from an ENTP mm. to an kind of an INFP? P, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like EI still, but the way I was thinking was definitely I. Yeah, and, it's, yeah know, it wasn't like a concrete yeah, shift, yeah, but yeah. those were the ones that you yeah, felt like had yeah. that flux, which is yeah. really when you go back to that idea that like each letter affects the other letters in different ways if you do look at it it Mm. as a totality that does really change the fundamental of like what the person is about like an Mm. enf oh my gosh now Mm. i'm gonna get them all wrong yeah entp is going to be very different than an infp yeah yeah for sure um yeah and that said a lot of my friends and family um, said I still seemed the same. I think it was also just because I sounded the same. My voice was the same, right? But I remember my one of my friends going, no, you're still the same. You pause a lot more when you talk now. And that really, like, hit me because I used to go and have a conversation with someone and talk about a topic that I'd never thought about and just flow without stopping. And they'd go, oh, you've thought about this a lot. And i go, no, 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 I'm thinking about it now, you know? And so... And then taking that into um, moving to Melbourne and starting a new degree, um, a lot of the time when I ask questions in class or answer questions, see a smiling because she knows what I'm about to say, I apologise for what I was saying or ask, does that make sense? Or like often second guess what I was saying because I didn't feel like I had control over it. And um, yeah, I remember you saying that once to me. You were like, you often apologise for what you say, but you make total sense. Like you don't need to. And that actually really helped me. That was just this moment of like, oh, okay, like, it is working. Like, I am sounding okay. Yeah, Thea, at the end of most sentences for the first, like, six months that I knew her, you know, sort of any kind of, like, 
compos- like like you know debating or like discussion sort of environment would say a very eloquent point and then say sorry does that make sense or mm-hmm. sorry I don't think I, that made sense or sorry mm-hmm. I can reframe that and it was a po- like it was a very valid clear point mm-hmm. and it was interesting to watch and then that's when when I mentioned that that's when Thea told me about the fact that she'd had a brain injury and that that was like something that she was like processing and going through. So yeah, it's interesting to notice that. And even like, you know, a year and a bit later now to realize that you very, very rarely do that Mm. um, anymore. And Mm. that like personal reflection has obviously come through and it's like taken away that hesitation that you have towards that maybe slightly more introverted thinking style that you might've developed. Yeah. And I think I'm, this even this conversation is getting me excited because usually when I so the the introverted thinking style has kind of shifted it's gone away more and more I think that's partly been me like trusting myself again um and the way um the way I feel like when I'm thinking as an extrovert is it feels like I'm flying and right now I can feel it like I feel like I'm flying right now as we talk about this which Usually when I end up talking about my brain injury again, it gets back to the introverted thinking again because I'm conscious of it. But right now it's like, no, I'm in my bliss state. I'm reached my flow. Like, it's kind of cool. Like, this is one of the, yeah, this is new. This moment right now is new for me as we talk about it. Yeah. Get me started exclusive. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You heard it here first, folks. Uh, But yeah, I mean, and that's also why yesterday when I did, found, got the ENFP result. I immediately thought back to, well, what, why are you feeling an F? Um, and I think for me, the F, when I was leaning more towards a feeling, um, so thinking with emotion as opposed to rationally coming out of my brain injury, was that had a lot to do with the trauma of it. Um, and I didn't know that what I'd experienced was trauma until like the end of that year when I went to a psych and my psych was like, so something, something, you know, because you've experienced trauma. I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, I don't remember the brain injury. It was fine. And I woke up in London and she was like, Thea, you were on a slope in another country and then woke up in another country. You don't remember two weeks of your life. You, your thalamus was damaged. Not, not the part of your brain that's connected to memory. Like you, you don't remember that because your brain didn't want to let you remember it. Like you went through trauma. And I was like, oh, this explains the emotional, like, just the only being able to see the world through emotions for, like, almost an entire year. Um, And so, again, it was me being like, oh, that's okay that you're not a thinker at the moment. Like, that's just a different way of existing. Um, And that's just a change that you're going through and experiencing. And it's probably, you know, not entirely unique, but, like, you know, it is a unique experience for an individual to feel both of those sides of, those letters in such a different way and like that you really did feel that you are like aligned with one and mm. then had to recognize your alignment with another mm. and we've obviously talked about the fact that you're great at picking people's personality types and that's something that you've you know practiced but how else do you feel like it manifests in like your personal relationships like do you think that it plays a part in the way you think about your friends in the same way that you think about yourself and like maybe even seeing friends Myers-Briggs change over the years if you've got like those sort of longer term friendships or just how do you yeah how do you feel that your love and sort of um leaning into of Mm. personality tests reflects in the way that you treat your friends or like think about those relationships yeah 
I think on a basic level, um, it starts with understanding and empathy. Um, if if I know a friend's more introverted, um, I understand if they need like they they don't want to be around me as much or um, they need their alone time. Um, the F's in my life love you dearly, um, and sometimes <laughs> sometimes F's get really like into or worked up about things that. I may step back and be like, what, what's the deal, you know? And so, um, like respecting that and respecting that their struggle, like what that's connected to and why they're struggling with this decision, for example, like sometimes I'll have friends that won't make, yeah, again, I see, and I've already explained this, but they, they make decisions about their lives or important things where I would want to, I want to shake them and go, no, but this is the right path. Or like, this is how you should like, you know, chase this bad person that's been treating you badly. But for them, they're like, no, I need to keep the peace. I need to like make the decision this way. And so for me, it's like me stepping back and going, cool, let's, let's back them in on this, on this decision they've made. Um, sometimes, uh, if people who are more J are getting stressed out because I haven't, you know, given them a commitment to something or, um, even for me, like, because, um, uh, the way again when I was 16 and learning about it as well sometimes you can flip even like you can have your on format and that's you and your like normal working life and then sometimes in your downtime you flip to the other way and I have some friends who are extremely J and then in their personal life they'll get super P and it'll be like oh let's not like lock down this like um, this uh, hangout that we're having like I'll let you know like 10 minutes before we're going to meet you know where we're going to be you know and Thea's just rolling her eyes right now like her actual nightmare um, literally don't do that to me that's not that's not how you yeah that's not how we connect <laughs> and for me as a normal P I'm more J with my social life actually and I like it ordered and like locked in and um and again like people might be listening to me right now and going that's just people being human you know um, and I get that, um, but that's just this again. This is just how I see the world, um, and it it helps me be less annoyed with my friends or like embrace them for who they are, um, and yeah, and support them if if they're struggling and to be able to know like which way to lean in for them. You know, if a friend comes to me and they're struggling and I know they're a T, I'll rationalize it out. If they're an F, I'll reflect back feelings to them. You know, um, yeah, I guess that's how it works for me. I feel like, you know, you know, for the people that are skeptical about, you know, personality tests and things like that, essentially what you're describing is the fact that you're very self-aware and you reflect quite neatly into these categories as to your own behaviours and ways of thinking and ways of dealing with the world. And in doing so, it enables you to be a better friend because you can more clearly see what your gut reaction to something is and tailor that dependent on the person you're hanging out with, which is ultimately like a really great skill because... I think, you know, what is it? It's like, you know, if someone's, if someone's angry at you, you know, it's, it's a, they're projecting because it's much more about something they've experienced or that they've done or that they've had going on in their lives that they're like manifesting onto you and articulating onto you mm. in some way. And what you're essentially describing is that you see how you could do that to people and how you could project your own personality type and your own thoughts but instead you take a second mm. because you have this way of categorizing how you behave and you go okay do I need to give them what I want or do I need to give them what I think they would want and this is just your method for doing so it's just a toolkit really mm. yeah do you think it works 
I don't really think it works. Obviously, I think it works. Like, you're one of my closest <laughs> friends. And, you know, I think that we have good rapport. But, you know, I, I think that I have a fairly good sense of myself as mm. well. And I think that I'm sure you can think of your own moments. <laughs> We're both, like, nodding at each other right now. Like, we're, you know, in our own relationship you know, one of us would have approached a situation very differently, but we are able to hold space for the other person doing it in the complete different way, even if at the same time we're like, what the fuck? <laughs> Why would you do it that way? But we let each other be. Yeah. And I know that there are times when, like, I know you know that I know what you're doing and I'm just letting you do it yeah. and vice versa. Yeah. <laughs> because we're both self-aware and in tune yeah. enough that we know when we're being, you know feeling too deeply about something yeah. or going too far down one way of yeah. behaving because it's just what is our natural inclination. But yeah. at ultimately, at the end of the day, all this comes back down to is like how well do you know yourself mm. and how do you gain that sense of knowing? Yeah. For you, it's personality type yeah. tests. And whilst I love those and I lean into them, that's not, that's not, that's not me. Yeah. But I can see it because it's very – it's interesting. It's very data-based. It's very like data mm. points and, yeah. you know, it's very structured – and so it's easy to be like, oh, yeah, I, I get that. I get mm. that approach. But mm. really what it is is empathy and self-reflection. Yeah. Yeah. I'll wear it. I'll take that. <laughs> no, you're totally right. And I think um, – and maybe as, like, someone who's pure tea when I'm younger, I wasn't as good at that. And so this has helped me build that for sure. Whereas, like, my sister, for example, is just like – the most empathetic person, like one of the most empathetic people I know. And so um, it just comes naturally, right? But then sometimes if you're too empathetic, then you can delve too... Yeah, Thea's rolling her eyes and agreeing. She's like, yep, I know, I know the feeling. Um, you can dive too deeply into that other side of things. Um, and it's like, how do you work your way through it all? Yeah. Um, no, thanks for the empathy uh, compliment. Really into it. Really into this gassing me up. Um, but yeah, and it's funny because you're the same. You're just as perceptive. So, and as we're thinking about it now, I'm like, well, she doesn't need, she doesn't need the toolkit. She's just good at it. <laughs> but I have my own toolkit, you yeah. know, my own cues and things yeah. like that. And it's maybe not as, well, you know, Myers-Briggs is universal in the sense yeah. that it's used across a whole range of like, um, scenarios and environments mm. and people rely on it in very different forms. Mm. You know, my toolkit maybe is just more developed through personal like individual personal experience and learning through that way but I'm sure that if I had to like pull it out and put it on paper as to how exactly I take on people and learn about them there was probably a method in my day-to-day life when I first meet somebody or when I'm trying to get to know somebody about Mm. how I dive deep um and yeah but at the end of the day it doesn't really matter how you get there no the most important thing and thing I think we both respect in a lot of other people is being Mm. able to be empathetic and not require others to be like yourself Mm. in order to care about them. Yeah. I mean, that's, I love it when people are different and like pulling that apart and like learning about that. And yeah, I just, I mean, I love people. I love my friends. I love how we're all just weird and different and, see the world so differently but then can still just be good mates and hang out and yeah right at the very beginning you mentioned briefly love languages Mm. as another kind and I figure if we're going to talk about personality tests we should talk about more than one yeah so that we can you know 
ground that in a different sort of yeah. realm as well. Yeah. Do you want to tell everyone like what the love languages are and like about them as yeah. a concept? I um, I mean, again, could be BS, but I love them. Excuse um, me, we're just going to preface this by everything could be BS, <laughs> but at the end of the day, yeah, it's like placebo. If it works, yeah. why oh does it God. matter that yeah, it's right. hoo-ha? Yeah. It works, and it works in your life, and the way you're applying it is, like, I would argue quite yeah. healthy. So, yeah. Cool. Me saying it could be BS is today's version of um, does that make sense? And Thea's calling me out on it, and I'm here for it. I'm totally here for it. The problem um, is that if it is BS, then I'm also just, like, not making any sense so we've got to we've got to align ourselves in some capacity um so as i said before i did i read the love languages book years ago with um another entp uh in my life my, her name's Arlena. doing a little shout out to her um and we have this book club and we read the love languages book um and a lot of people probably heard about them um but there are five love languages and it's the way you express your love and i think in the book itself it's written it's skewed more to relationships but I like to see it in life in general. I, use, I apply it to all my relationships as opposed to just um, intimate partnerships. Um, so you've got words of affirmation. So they're people that like telling you how they feel and, and that they love you and um, gas you up effectively. Um, there's quality time. So that's people who like to spend a long amount of time with the other person. Quality, like committed to each other, looking at each other, talking to each other. Um, acts of service. So you do things for the other person. Um, sacrifices, um, cooking, cleaning. Uh, you don't need to be thanked for it necessarily. It's just you quietly go about your way helping the other person. Um, physical touch, pretty straightforward. Hugging, kissing, touching, gentle grazes, um, etc. And then gifts is the final one. Um, and that's just giving gifts, essentially. Pretty basic. Um, and again, it's, it's, five, it's five categories, and I'm sure love can be expressed in a lot of different ways. Um, but it's a good. I really. I find it super useful. Like, um, in terms of like, how do I show my friends I love them? Um, for me, my big ones are quality time and acts of service. Um, and also how that. And actually, in terms of the quality time one, for example, for my birthday, I recently had um, my thirtieth birthday, and it was like it was like the week of Thea. I spent an entire day with my partner and my housemate, and then the evening sprawled into um hanging out with some of my closest mates having dinner and then we continued into karaoke the next day um Thea actually threw me this lovely um surprise party and so I spent more time with the same people again and then on Saturday I had another party more time with essentially ostensibly the same people hanging out with them again because I just love being around my friends um and um but in terms of like because you can also have ones that you don't resonate with so um for me gifts not a thing for me like um and so when I tr and so I do have some friends and family members who gifts are their love language and so to like work through that I um I try to turn them into acts of service so for example Anina the friend I was talking about before she let me um live basically live in her living room in London for like three months it was a tiny one bedroom flat and she let me live there rent free and she's a gift huge gifts person and as I said before hate gifts can't give them really I don't hate gifts but like not good at them uh so instead I wrote her thoughts and reflections and feelings 
about our friendship and like each other and little like motivational things and like wrote them all out and tied them up and put them in a bag so 365 of them so she could pull one out for every day of the next year that I was gone and I also wrote her a song and then as I was leaving because I went to actually the ski to do the ski season um I wrote her a song and sung that to her before we left um and so they were my gifts to her you know access service effectively um for me as well physical touch terrifies me um and so and there was actually this one moment during lockdown where um I hadn't touched anyone in so long because it was just me and my housemate at home. Um, and I turned to her one day and I was like, just to let you know, physical touch isn't one of my love languages, so that's why I don't hug you. And she looked at me and she was like, actually, physical touch is one of mine. And I was like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> we both be, And we were both clearly t- starved for touch, but in particular for her, like, um, and it... it and I don't think I've actually lifted my game and touched her enough. I mean, I probably shouldn't have phrased it like that, but I definitely, um, I still find it hard. And like, um, even like the first few times I met my partner and we hung out, I do this awkward, like hug thing where I was like almost screaming into the hug being like, Hey, how are you? It's really nice to meet you. And then like kind of half touch them because yeah, it touch again it just doesn't come naturally to me but I, I accept that for some people it is and so I try to like lean into that when it is and then the other one that scares me a bit is words of affirmation but I think that's more of a mellow one for me um sometimes when people use words they don't resonate as strongly with me but then I have to be like that's cool they're clearly expressing love to you and even if you do, it's not really true to you right now like this is them showing you their love um even if it feels almost disingenuous um, which is, and it's weird that I feel that way because when I do use words back to people, I mean them. Um, but I guess it's just like, yeah. So that's my, that's how I, the love languages will play out for me effectively. And I can, I've gone on a rant again. I love it. I just love love languages. Um, yeah. And I, I, I'm trying to remember what yours are and I can't remember. I think the thing that's really important to keep in mind with love languages as well is the ones that you respond the most to in terms of like what you crave and what you want Mm. can be actually very different than the ones that you expressed most often on like a natural level yeah and then something that I've always like heard with love languages and I think it's true because of the nature of the sort of type of personality thing it is is like taking the time to investigate and learn your friends or your partners or your family members Mm. like love languages that they crave is really important for ensuring that you feel that the energy you expend into that relationship is worthwhile. Mm. Because if you're somebody who does really enjoy giving gifts and you're giving gifts to Thea, she's never going to necessarily like take them on in the same way that you give them. Like, Mm. you know, that other person might be appreciative and they might respect the fact that Mm. you've taken the time and the money to buy them something, Mm. but they're never going to give someone who is an outward gift giver Mm the reaction that they would Mm. want if they're not a gift receiver Mm. and often in relationships that's where you know disconnects can arise Mm. because you know if you have physical touch and your partner doesn't crave physical touch it can feel like rejection even though it's simply just Mm. them wanting words of affirmation instead um so yeah i think it's like it's really important to know your own so then you can also communicate that to your friends and your like partners and your family So that they then know how to best love you, you know, Mm. and to get through to you when you're having a hard time, because that's often when you want to be like understood, Mm. which these things are a part of feeling understood and known by Mm. those who are close to you. Mm. Yeah. 
And I think just reflecting even just on the small things of what you gave me for my birthday, um, a lot of acts of service, you helped me set up my party, you organised the surprise party. And then also even the gifts, I think that was a group effort, but the thoughtfulness of the gifts that I was given, for me it wasn't about the gifts themselves, it was about, yeah, the thought behind them and the effort put into them. Um, yeah, so you you played well, you did well. <laughs> there we go, you gotta know, you know when those love languages. It's funny because mine, it, I love how I just was like, it's really important to know your own love languages so you can communicate them. <laughs> Um, I'm not sure <laughs> I that's yeah look let's not go down that rabbit hole um I'm bad at communicating my needs that's that's, a, that's the top that's the high level version Ladies and of gentlemen. this um I think that I college time is huge for me mm-hmm. largely because I'm a very busy person and I like to fill my time but I'm big on respect and I think that a big thing for me is the easiest thing you can do when you respect somebody is respect their time. Mm. You don't have to actually respect them as a person, you know, mm. even in workplace environments, if you don't get along with somebody and you don't particularly like them, that doesn't mean you have to go out of your way to be super respectful and courteous and kind to them in every situation. But the least you can do is respect someone's time mm. because that just, yeah, it just gets to me when mm. people don't. So I think quality time for me is super valuable because if I schedule time with someone I mean it, mm. you know, like I'm very organized. I'm very, you know, I, my Google mm. calendar is my life. And mm. so if I'm like, yeah, I'm seeing someone at four on this day, that's it. Like there's, it's very rare for me to just flake on that on the a sole mm. basis of like just tapping out. Mm. It either has to be that so, something that I can't mm. get out of or something that requires, you know, a certain level of obligation comes up. Mm. Um, or there's actually something wrong and I can't go or, Mm. you know, I can't make it for whatever reason. So I struggle at times to remain connected to people who routinely don't live up Mm. to those plans. Like, obviously it happens, you know, everyone has things that come up. I don't mean the once off. I mean, like, you know, if you have those repeat friendships where people don't show, whereas other people, that doesn't really bother them. You know, their schedules are fluid. Mm. Oh, yeah, no, we're meeting at four on Saturday and then it's 3.30. It's like, oh, no, we're not. We're going to meet this other time. Mm. Let's chill. Whereas, like, I need notice. Mm. I need a plan. I need to put things in. So I think quality time is a really big one for me. Mm. Um, I definitely like gifts, I think, because not it's not it's definitely not like my top two, though. But I guess mm. I say that because I think when people really get gifts right for me, like really do it it says a lot to me about how well they know me because I think I like a lot of stuff. Mm. So when people get gifts wrong, it confuses me because I'm like, I feel like I'm so easy mm. <laughs> to buy for. Like, I feel like mm. I have such a wealth of interest and I'm, mm. you know, I can be quite like stereotypically feminine in the guests I like. Like, mm. get me a candle or a perfume and I'll love it. You know what I mean? So when people really get me gifts that I just don't have mm. an affinity with, it confuses me a little bit. So then when people go the other level and get me that really unique individual thing that I'm like, wow, you get it. You get mm. my like energy. That means a lot. But I guess that probably goes more to just like knowing me as a person and mm. that could come through in a variety of different ways. It doesn't have to be material. Mm. Um, in terms of what I do for mm. other people, I am an acts of service person <laughs> like till the end of time I <laughs> like that is you know if you don't like acts of service 
then I'm going to struggle because even when I learn what your love language is and I try and meet that, my default is to do things for people Yeah. Um, to a fault probably, but it's, it fills me up. It makes me feel happy. I love mm. cooking for people. I love helping people organize their lives. Maybe I'm just a control freak, <laughs> but you know, it's all good things. I know myself, you know, um, but I think I enjoy doing that because those things come naturally to me mm. or are very much a part of who I am. I'm very much a planner and an organizer and mm. a facilitator. Like I have a goddamn podcast, right? I facilitate. That's kind of my thing. <laughs> so when it comes to the people I care about, if I can like contribute to their day or, mm. you know, make their life a bit easier, mm. um, I really enjoy doing that. And I think I sometimes struggle to receive acts of service in return mm. Because yeah. I invest a lot into the acts of service I give and I feel like it's too much when people give them to me back. Because if they're putting the same amount of energy that I put into the acts of service I put out there, I don't feel like I deserve that energy back yeah. from somebody else. Yeah. Like, you know, I don't think that they should have to expend that much energy on me because mm. I can do it myself. It's fine. Mm. So, you know, it's, you know, even in the way that I'm just like, you know, going on and on and I could link mm. all these things up and maybe I'm just like, taking my own experience and projecting them onto what these five categories mean, I think it gets more and more to that point of like, it's just a tool for digging deep into, oh, okay, so I do this and then I feel this and then these experiences happen with somebody else. And Mm. look at that common link. Like, look at that Mm. interesting circle that's happening there. Mm. I feel like I understand myself a little bit better now Mm. on a different level. Yeah. That acts of service thing you just said, um, yeah, because as you were saying acts of service, and then I was like, you definitely reject acts of service sometimes. Like, or you don't, reject is the wrong word, but you don't let yourself, like, you don't make yourself open to them. If I offer, you'll say no. Like, the one or two times you've said yes, it was like you at your wit's end. Like, me calling Thea, like, hysterically crying, <laughs> and her offering to help me, me still saying no, and then her just rocking up anyway. <laughs> That's the level of what, like, it takes for me to flee. But it's really interesting to, like, hear that's how you describe it. Like, that you're like, but do I deserve this amount of energy and commitment that I give? I can tell you this now, you definitely do. Just like 100%. This is now a psychology uh, session. Uh, now you're just going to get to hear us like words of affirmation each other really aggressively until one of us submits. <laughs> no, no more. Um, but yeah, I mean, here, have some words of affirmation. You're the best and I love you. And um, Watch me cut this out. <laughs> and then watch me talk to DJ to make sure he puts it in. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, I think it's really cool to hear that from you and understand that a bit more as well. Like, and I'm going to keep throwing uh, access service at you then until you submit. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that's what it's all about, right? Yeah. Like, it's these things, these conversations that you can have with somebody. Yeah. Like, you know, I now know better that, like, gifts aren't it for you. And that yeah. can give me peace because when it is your birthday, I don't have to fret and worry about yeah. buying you the perfect thing. Like, yeah, if I just offer you my time and my energy... And yeah. like, you know, what do you want to do? Where do you want to go? You know, yeah. what can you, what do you need help with? Then it's like, awesome. Yeah. Sorted, you know, and I can feel content that I've done enough yeah. and I feel assured in it and you can feel known and loved by someone. Mm. 
and we can skip the bit where I spend six weeks fretting about getting exactly. her a gift and she unwraps it and doesn't have that like yeah. ecstatic joy on her face that I imagined, yeah. which would maybe make me feel bad and like I wasted my time. But when really that's just not what needs to be in yeah. play between us yeah. as people. Yeah. Like even just as a small like vignette of that, um, my, again, for my 30th, my partner was like, oh, what do you want? <laughs> And somebody's gifts would be like, work it out yourself, mate. Um, and then they kind of threw out the idea of like uh, a cookbook. And then I kind of pointed them in the direction of which cookbook I would like. So it was just like when they were there on the night before my birthday, and it turned midnight and they were like, I'll give you your gift. And it was like, <laughs> for me, it wasn't about the gift, obviously, because I knew what I was getting. I told them what to give me. But it was the fact that we were there together, you know, and like I was with someone as I as midnight hit you know um and yeah that's that's mean to a t right like it's just like be around me as much as possible help me exist in the world as an extrovert and uh and i'll be happy basically i love it <laughs> i love this. you oh gosh <laughs> no reject reject <laughs> um um on this though yeah you did recently turn 30 <laughs> and you know, you've you've experienced these things and you've gone through these waves of understanding of yourself when you're talking at the beginning sort of about like you're yeah, growing up and changing and knowing yourself. And mm. you know, thirty's a milestone birthday. Mm. It's a came after a very difficult year. Yeah. Do you feel like you're reflecting on all of the things that you've used to know yourself more now that you've hit thirty? Like have you do you feel like it's a different birthday in that sense that you've sort of taking a bit of time to look at the journey or is that more just because of the year we've had recently there's been that happening regardless I think I'm I'm chicken or the egg right like because yeah at this same Wednesday night at midnight that I was talking about where my partner gave me the book um (laughs) I I was so sad I just was like it hit midnight and I was just so sad and so lonely and like thinking about my family thinking about the year thinking about the fact that like I couldn't exactly do what I wanted for my birthday or like that I was still a bit worried about whether it even happened because if we got more cases and like um and yeah I think maybe it being 30 did make me yeah reflect on that even a little bit more um I'm excited to be 30 though, don't get me wrong. Like a lot of my friends who are in their 30s are like, it's the best decade. Uh, tw- 20s be gone. Like 20s, you're not sure what the fuck is going on. 30s, you're like, yeah, I'm cool about this and I don't need to stay to the, at the party till 5am and I'm still happy about it, you know. Well I'm, rested. Um, can I can I jump in here saying that I'm about to turn 25 so I'm like well in the midst of that <laughs> mood. <laughs> well, yeah, I'll try and give you some of my 30 vibes now. Um, but... Um, yeah, maybe, maybe the 30 thing has pushed me in that direction. Um, I think it's all of it. Yeah. And, and it was nice that 30 has happened at the beginning of the year. 30 has happened around us doing this podcast and, um, and at the end of a really tough year, um, because it's, I mean, again, Myers-Briggs as an extrovert, uh, really pushed to my limits this year. Um, I mean, last year and, um. And I saw some of my introverted friends really flourishing. And I was really happy for them. I was so happy for them. But I felt like a shell of a human for about 
yeah, six months of the year. Um, and it was, I went to a psych the other day and I was like, what do I even need to talk about? And then started like my brain started going, well, you know, that whole like lockdown COVID situation. And I started welling up and I was like, oh yeah, I can't deal with this right now. But clearly that is a thing like that. I, it's another new trauma that I have to like deal with obviously. Um, and yeah, I mean, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited to be 30. I'm super keen. Um, and, and I'm going to, I think what I'm going to work on over time as well as like embracing that change as it happens now, because it's happening. Um, and I have changed and I've got to be chill with that and things change and, uh, uh, that's okay. You know? Yeah, Yeah, it is. Um, so before we sort of start to get to the end of all of this, yeah. I said that there was a question before we started recording that I was going to ask you. Oh, no. And I knew that th- this is a great question. One of my friends asked it to me the other day. He came back from a leadership camp and they'd been yeah. asked this and we had, he and I had a really great chat about what it meant and how we related to one another. So I'm not necessarily like fully across the background behind it, but I think it's quite mm. an approachable. If you've never done a personality test before or you don't really align with them at all, I think this one is something that like gives you a little bit of pause, but also it's quite approachable. Mm. Of the four elements, mm. which element do you feel most aligned to? So fire, earth, air, or water? Dramatic I, pause. No, I, yeah, actually, it's quite quick for me. Water, for sure. You, I think I rolled her eyes and nodded. <laughs> and I'm also water. I'm yeah. big, 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 big water. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I know now that uh, I've heard a little bit about astrology uh, from my partner, apparently Capricorn is an earth sign. But for me, water is like, yeah, it's I've always been a water baby my whole life. If there's a body of water, I orient my frame of reference in a city around the water there. That's why I don't think I liked Melbourne the first few times I visited because the Yabba is a pile of crap when it comes to like water bodies for cities you know like the beaches are shit like and it just didn't resonate for me as a city um and yeah I used to as a kid be in the water for hours and like um, do you feel it in your personality though like like what what in yourself do you mm, feel is water I think I flow with people like I feel like I'm in water when I'm in a group of people and I just like move between everyone. I remember as we were coming out of lockdown and like I went to a staff Christmas party and I had this moment of like, you know, when you're in a group and you hop around and you just float and drift and like wade and yeah, it feels like you're in water a lot of the time. The way I think feels like it's a flowing liquid almost um, that just like courses out of me. Um, And yeah and I think as well water can be like turbulent and calm um it can be soothing I hope I like to think I can like revitalize people with my energy um yeah just I think that yeah I think you've got a bit of earth in you yeah for sure like for sure you've got a sort of grounded pace to yourself that Mm -hmm. I think resonates with earth more than water but I think yeah on like the sort of Social value level. Yeah. yeah. definitely a water, water sign. It's funny, people... I've heard that about me more and more recently, like, being earthy and grounded. And I don't doubt it. Like, someone described... I heard someone talking about me as, like, a chill extrovert. As, like... And, and someone else once said that, yeah, when I'm 
talking to them I'm just like listening and there in the moment and I yeah do you know why do you know what it is what you're constant okay like you're the same yeah in every scenario and every setting because you're confident in yourself and you like yourself and you know yourself so you know a lot of extroverts I think you can often tell with some people who are extroverted that it comes from a place of like need to impress or like be in the center of attention or like be in the action because there's a discomfort in being still yeah whereas you are always you like you're very much the same sort of person in pretty much every scenario and you're unashamedly interested in what you're interested in and you know present the way you present in every scenario in very much the same way whereas other people maybe like myself are more likely to change themselves into different scenarios because of a lack of groundedness Mm -hmm. in one identity Mm -hmm. so I think that that's probably where it comes from and that's it's super interesting you say that because I've always in the back of my mind been worried that sometimes people would think I was that person trying to show off in the way that I'm so loud sometimes or extroverted um but I just I brush it to one side I'm like whatever I'm just me so I've got to be me but it's cool to hear that like that's how it's perceived and it's not like it's not me being flashy it's just me being me which is nice I would love to know from people listening what element you most align with because I feel like it's quite an easy one to sort of Mm. like pinpoint I guess I think most people are going to have a pull towards one of the four if they Mm. had to pick one I'd love to talk to somebody who very much aligns with air because I think that that's more unique Mm. um magical it's just kind of yeah I can see I can see people in my life who I see elements of air in but um yeah, I'd love to know someone who feels like quite closely aligned with air because I think fire is quite a common one. Like people, you know, either yeah. are you one a fiery person, you mm. know, and water again is sort of more common, whereas I feel like earth and air are more... Someone has to have a real sense of that yeah. to say that as their dominant um, yeah. element. Yeah, I'm definitely... Yeah, I'm a water baby through and through. And if we do go to horoscopes as well, I'm a Pisces, so I really am a water baby through and through. <laughs> um, you can't get it out of me. <laughs> But yeah, I feel like that's just a that's a good entry level personality test for those who are dipping the toes. Dipping the toes. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Um, so I guess you know, rounding out the conversation, mm. is there anything else that you want to add, or anything else that you'd like people to know about you know this way of approaching yourself and your relationships in terms of personality testers and everything like that. Um. I guess at the end of the day, I hope that some it just helps like some people step back and think a little bit about themselves and the people around them and uh, pause for thought basically, right? Like um, you don't have to believe, again, that word believe in what I'm talking about, but you can recognize it in other people. Um, and I guess at the end of the day, like taking that sense of empathy because it, it, it also then, it means your interactions are slightly less uh, intense or um, and more productive essentially because you're not going into it like questioning the way people are behaving as like a why are they like that and more as a like okay why why are they being like that like and and this will help all of us if we understand each other a bit better um, and if you ever want to talk to me about it hit me up because I will you know as you can tell like talk till the cats come home about all this stuff um and yeah I just love it so much essentially I love that now I ask this of most guests Mm. that come on is there an exercise or an activity or an Mm. action that people who have now listened to this and heard about this topic 
could go and do for themselves mm. that you think would like be valuable yeah you asked yeah a couple i think so there's there's a 16 person if you just google myers briggs there's like 16 personalities does like a really short form test about it um so you could you could do that um i think sometimes what happens when people do that is then they then look at that personality as like oh this is meant to get me you know and as we've already like as we've talked about today you might not be completely on point on that day that you do the test it might not come out exactly like how you feel most of the time um so i would even recommend just like stepping back and considering each each letter in isolation or each letter combo in isolation and just reflecting for yourself about which one of those resonates more for you um and then thinking about the people in your life like your family in particular your family I think I applied a lot to my friends but it's only been over the past year or two that I've started turning that to the people who are really super close to you and that sometimes we take their relationships for granted and you know get angry more quickly with them because we don't step back because they're they're always going to be there so you don't put in the work as much so to speak so like maybe even step back and think about when you get into fights with your mom or when attention comes up why do you think that is what letter could be at, at its core is it because she's a j and she wants to like make this decision now and you're a p or um or she's a t and she comes out quite like blunt in her feedback whereas you want some harmony in a, in a conversation um yeah so you can definitely start with some of those quizzes they're fun um but i think you're going to get more out of self-reflecting um and thinking about the letters individually as well yeah, it's never time wasted if you're self-reflecting. Yeah. In whatever way you're doing that, yeah. whatever you're using to achieve that, like yeah. it's always a positive thing, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for coming on. It's been <laughs> lovely to have you on here. No one else I'd rather share a name with. So, you know, it's we'll just confuse everybody with the, if we're saying, oh, Thea, as in the other Thea, or just to ourselves, much <laughs> like we do to each other. <laughs> and, um... Just to double down on the words of affirmation, um, I love you. This has been amazing. Um, thank you so much. Similarly, there's no one I'd rather share a name with. Thanks, Nick. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Get Me Started. Be sure to join the Facebook community group so that you can contribute to the next solo episode that I will be doing. And also make sure you chuck us a follow on Instagram because that's where you'll get the quickest updates about when new episodes are coming, who they're with, and what they're about. But yeah, again, I hope you, yeah, I hope you enjoyed listening. So obviously a little bit more chit-chatty, a bit more laughter in here. Uh, it's what you get when you record with such a close friend. So enjoy, have a lovely day or night wherever you are, and we'll be in your ears again very soon.